Okay, hello everybody. My name is uh, Steve McKenna. I'm an associate professor at the uh, School of Management and Marketing at Curtin University. And in 2022, we're uh, adding to our HR Disrupted podcasts that we started uh, last year uh, by uh, introducing a new series uh, of podcasts we are calling HR Take 5. And this is going to be conversations with uh, HR leaders and managers uh, about their careers, about their roles, and about uh, their thoughts on innovation uh, in uh, human resources management. So before I introduce today's guest, I would like to acknowledge the Wajuk Noongar peoples uh, as the traditional owners of uh, this place uh, and elders past, present uh, and emerging. So today it's my great pleasure to uh, to introduce uh, uh, Maria uh, Andercic. Uh, I've known Maria for a, a little while. Maria is an experienced uh, a dynamic and uh, trusted professional with a uh, great experience and history of working across uh, many sectors, including the public service, healthcare, manufacturing, media, uh, and now uh, the not-for-profit uh, sector because Maria is the manager of human resources, people, culture, and brand uh, at Mercy Care. So Maria's had a, a fantastic uh, uh, history of, uh, of experience across a range of sectors. She's also a leadership mentor and coach with uh, Western Australia Police and um, senior executives and a regular contributor to the WA uh, Police Leadership National and Statewide Conversations, uh, which includes cross-sectoral participation. Maria, I think I'm writing saying, is also uh, an alumna. Maria, is that correct, of the Curtin Business School? I sure am. Uh, where you did your undergrad uh, degree. Mm -hmm. uh, we, we won't mention when. Uh, and, uh, and on that note, uh, we also would like to wish uh, Maria a happy birthday because today, uh, as our first guest for our new podcast series, it's also Maria's birthday. So happy birthday, uh, Maria, and I look forward to our chat. Thank you. Okay. So um, what we're going to do first, Maria, if I could, is I just want to uh, ask you if you could give, uh, give the listeners a, a brief overview of your career in, in HR uh, up to now, and talk a little bit about the kind of upsides and the downsides that you've um, you've experienced through your career. Um, thanks, Steve, and what an introduction. Um, I'm glad you didn't reveal the year, <laughs> not only of my birth, but of my graduation. Um, so I've been, I guess, in the HRIR space for a long time, and I've certainly um, seen a lot and done a lot. I did my studies at Curtin in Bentley and um, I um, finished that whilst I was studying that I did some work experience during that period um, certainly a little bit with the AMWU and went to a chicken factory and certainly was put off chicken for a very long time after yeah. that um, I initially started in industrial relations because that's what was actually Quite intriguing for me. I really enjoyed the um, the legal side of it and right. looking at what we can do and how can we change it and you know practicing in the grey. I guess not necessarily all black and white. Right. So I've worked across industries in industrial relations. Uh, I got to a point I think a few years ago where I went if I stay in IR, um, I'll get pigeonholed. So I moved into a senior HR business partner role um, and quickly realised that. It's actually not like HR and IR is actually not that different from each other. It is all about establishing, maintaining, you know, relationships with your stakeholders and whether you're in HR 
space or IR space or combinations of both, I think it's, you know, the type of work you do crosses each other really well. So, um, you know, I didn't necessarily find the transition between IR and HR that difficult. Certainly looking at it from a strategic perspective, you know, obviously you focus on employee experience and, you know, figuring out organisations, you know, who are, who they are and what they stand for. And that can be a challenge because I guess one of the challenges that I've seen is, well, we know who we are. We've got our mission, we've got our values, we've got our statement. And it's like, yeah, but do you actually? Um, and not only do you know what you are, do your stakeholders know and do your colleagues know, do your members know? So I guess for me, that's always been a challenge and it's always been one of those areas where I'm, quite passionate about um, because if you can articulate who you are and what you are and how you go about doing things, then, you know, it becomes more meaningful and enjoyable for right. all involved. Right. Now, I wondered if you could say, you know, you've obviously, you've worked pretty much in all sectors uh, of, of yeah. uh, the economy, Maria. So, you know, what, what, what have you found to be different between, you know, not-for-profit, uh, public sector, healthcare, manufacturing and so on, media? You know what? What? Uh, what? What? What's the differences that have uh, you know been obvious to you in different uh, sectors? Yeah, it's um, I, I, it's a bit of a bone of mine, um, a bone to pick because fundamentally, it actually doesn't matter which industry you work in. People are people. Um, the drivers are different in terms of focus. So, you know, you might have um, shareholders that you need to report to, and it becomes a profit-driven sort of focus rather than necessarily you know when you come into the community sector it's all about you know your customers and the services that you provide but fundamentally people are people regardless of where you go we have all you know needs and wants and um it doesn't actually matter i think you know what frustrates me i guess from the hr profession certainly when i see roles advertised where they talk about you know, mining experience necessary or not-for-profit experience necessary or working in the health sector necessary. I think if you've got a person that's pretty agile, HR practitioners tend to be pretty agile and they tend to be able to work across industries. And industry is not hard to learn if you know your fundamental principles of what you're doing. So I think that's probably been the biggest eye-opener for me is I have done work across a lot of industries and the work is not that different. Right, that's that's interesting. So, when, uh, it, I suppose more specifically in terms of the you know elements of an HR system, uh, was there any you know was there more focus on sort of recruitment in one sector than another, or or you know anything like that, or or you know were, was that uh, you know the focus still pretty much similar across all sectors? Um, I th recruitment. Well, if we're talking current state, recruitment is. The focus of everyone because we can't get staff. Um, if I go back in history in terms of where I've been, um, recruitment has always been a focus, but I think now more so than ever, it's about the right people for the right role. And it's not necessarily focusing on the skill as such. And I'll put that in inverted commas. It's looking at the will. And if you've got the will to learn, you can learn the skill and you can teach the skill. Um, we are at the moment in a market where resources for, you know, talent, and, I, and I'm just going to use the word recruitment because it is what it is, um, you know, 
there is a big focus on it because we need people and we need people to work. Borders are shut, you know. Um, we, in terms of the not-for-profit space, a lot of not-for-profit spaces rely on um, international, you know, visitors and right. international students and migration right. to, you know, fulfil their workforce needs. Um, recruitment has always been a focus, but I guess more so now than what it has been previously, whereas previously it's more about performance and managing performance and making sure that people are, you know, working right. to their best ability. Right. So when you're you're connecting with uh, other senior, you know, managers in, in the organisations you're in, what how would you say, um, has there been any difference in the way that uh, the role of HR has been seen and perceived by other senior executives that you've had to connect with? Yeah, some of us, some of the organisations I've worked in, we've become, was very transactional. It's, we want this done, just go and do it. And, uh, you know, hire, fire, manage, it's sort of been, that's HR's role and that's what you do. Um, whereas I think, you know, now we, we are partners in crime, I guess, and you know, I'm fortunate enough to work with an executive here that will come to me and say, hey, Marie, I'm thinking about doing this. What do you reckon? And we become, you know, I guess we move away from that transactional work um, to create a bit of value for the business. And and we are driving um, and facilitating and connecting the dots. You know, we are uniquely positioned to align strategy, people and process. So I'm finding that the trend in tapping into HR and tapping into what we know is probably becoming more and more important than what it has previously. And, you know, we do tend to have our fingers in the pulse and we too tend to um, ensure that we know what's going on so that we can help organisations, you know, be future ready. Right. And in the uh, context of, you know, the pandemic and so on, what, mm -hmm. um, you know, how, how have things changed for HR, I mean, obviously HR has been pretty central to a lot of the things that had to happen uh, because of the pandemic. And, and you're in a really a, a very, you know, um, sort of difficult sector uh, uh, in the context of what's going on. So, you know, how how is uh, how has HR really adapted? Do you think to uh, to what it's needed to do during the pandemic? Yeah, I think we've sort of had to put aside process um, in terms of this is the way we've always done things and look at how do we how do we become more collaborative how do we become more inspiring you know I came back this year to work and I came back to a very flat office and flat workforce and people are tired so I think there's an acknowledgement factor that we are all tired but it's also an opportunity to look at how we do things differently and why have we always done this? Why can't we look at it differently and become a bit more streamlined? I think, you know, we've had to think outside the box in terms of well, where are we going to get, you know, find colleagues, find our workforce to deliver mm. the services that we do. And I think the focus has become more on... Um, making sure that our staff are looked after, making sure that they are safe and feeling safe because, you know, there's a difference between doing and the feel and we have to be able to ensure that we understand how they're feeling 
um, yeah. you know, what's the what's the temperature um, right. currently? And we need to make sure that we are creating some of those meaningful and enjoyable experiences in a really tough environment. Like it's yeah. it's pretty tough. You know, you look at some of our aged care facilities and, you know, even, you know, um, our community work, you know, it's hard working in a mask. Yeah. I'm in an, I'm in the office and I'll wear a mask and I'm, I'm fortunate to be able to have an opportunity to work from home, but you know, our frontline staff don't have that and yeah. it's understanding yeah. that. And, you know, I guess having a bit of compassion, you know, um, right. as, as the new way forward. Yeah. Okay. I, I want to come back to that, uh, issue of, you know, sort of innovation and so on in HR in a second, but, um, you know, you're, you're obviously now and you've been for some while uh, in a HR leadership role, Maria. So what, what do you think are the kind of uh, key attributes that you have and, and uh, others, um, you know, people who might listen to this who are developing careers in, in, in HR? You know, what, what are the attributes, do you think, of a, a good HR leader? Listening is probably the biggest and most important um, aspect of being not just a HR leader, a leader in general. Um, I think for HR in particular, it's really important to be able to, you know, connect the dots and connect the dots that are seemingly unconnectable. So whether it's process, whether it's people, whether it's strategy, whether it's innovation, whether it's a financial goal, it's looking at what's being done from you know, a bigger strategic perspective and connecting those dots. And, you know, one of the um, greatest strengths as a HR practitioner you can have is your stakeholder relationships. You know, people will tell you things and, you know, there's a confidential nature to our role. And, and well, I've had one executive say something to me and then I've had another executive say something to me and I'm like, why aren't you two talking together? Because the two of you have the same goals, same aspirations, same ideas. Right. You know, let's, let's get the two of you in a room. It's connecting those dots. I think that's really, really important um, because once you connect those dots, you, it makes it easier to achieve that strategic objective and aligning whatever it is that you want to do in terms of your organisation and design and the nature of work to you know, the fundamental outcome that you want to achieve. Right. So as a HR person, I think connecting the dots really, really fundamental. Having an understanding, obviously, of strategy and, you know, financials and all those, I guess, basics are important. But if you can't link them all together, then it really becomes not meaningful. Yeah. Like what's interesting about what you said there uh, with respect to kind of strategy and so on, is, you know, and I don't know, I'll just, I'll kind of play this back to you. This is what I have heard from, mm -hmm. what I think I've heard from you is, you know, the kind of strategy that you're developing is is something that sort of emerges, you know, you, you kind of are thinking about uh, strategy related to the organisation and to HR as you're sort of doing things. So, you know, you don't sit down, formulate a plan and then try and implement it. You know, the, the kind of doing of HR and the, the strategic HR sort of happens, um, you know, as, as you are moving forward. Would that be reasonable? Yeah, it does. And I think, you know, developing the plans, it's really important to have HR included in those. But strategy, I think in a lot of respects, 
has to have some sort of fluidity to it. You want to ensure that there's a silhouette that you want to achieve, but it's that silhouette might not necessarily become a focal point until such time as all the moving parts get get there. You know, so your strategy does move depending on what's happening and it's being able to pick out what's important to achieve the ultimate outcome. Right. I like that word, silhouette. I, I like it. I'm, I'm going to use it. Um, that's, that's You're welcome. I might trademark it. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Not yet. Wait until I use it first. Uh, now, um, getting back to the issue of innovation and um, so on, I mean, uh, you know, I know that uh, you you will obviously be thinking about these and you've already mentioned um, that, that you are thinking about them and have to think about innovation and so on in HR. I wonder if you had any kind of specific ideas or examples of, of how, you know, you've innovated or are thinking about innovating in, in an HR system either presently or something that has happened in the past. Yeah, I think the way the way the workforce is, I guess, moving and sort of looking at the needs of our future, you know, employees and our colleagues that we work with, um, I think the focus is moving towards this concept of human-centred design. And whilst it's not a new concept, it's something that's pretty new for a lot of people that don't understand it. And it's essentially... Um, if I'm going to use that word again, creating a silhouette of personas potentially and understanding that in this, you know, area of our business, what is the ideal person we want to have and then how do we get there? What do we need to do to change our process, um, our systems, the way we do the work that we do to have this ultimate persona that we are trying to achieve and it's really putting and I guess for me at the moment um, I'm very fortunate to be able to work with um, an incredible marketing manager who really understands that whole customer experience and it's not just external customers you know our staff are our customers as well and why aren't we looking at what are we doing externally and bringing it in to ensure that our internal customers and our stakeholders and the people that we deal with are, you know, right. being looked after. So in terms of innovation, that's probably one of the most significant parts of what we're doing here, um, making sure that we understand our people. And rather than just putting processes in, every time we do something, we go, well, hang on, how is the person on the floor going to understand this? You know, we are a uh, an organisation that has people of all sorts of backgrounds mm. and how do we ensure that any change that we do, um, you know, brings about some sort of value um, and make sure that, you know, they understand it, that, they're in, that their employee experience um, is a positive one. And whether that's through recruitment to onboarding to, you know, management and, certainly their exit, because at the end of the day, you also want to understand what is that person saying about you three months after they've left? Right. And if you don't actually understand that, then I think as a business, you're failing to plan for, you know, how do we keep our staff? Right, right, right. Okay. 
Now, I know you're interested in saying, uh, you know, talking a little bit about this, uh, this um, uh, people from HR and marketing backgrounds moving into CEO roles mm -hmm. uh, and, and, you know, the value that they, uh, they bring. So what, what, uh, what's your view on that? I, I am a strong believer in HR should be adopting more marketing practices to help, you know, Right. sharpen up their game. I think, you know, when we're looking at design thinking and whether it's human-centred design, product design, you know, th those tools are actually quite powerful to understand um, how we move forward and how do we better design, you know, what we do and how we do it. I think it, it would be ignorant of us to ignore um, mm. marketing practices because at the end of the day, we're also in the business of, dare say selling mm. you know whatever initiative you put in you've got to make sure that you know um whether it's a people or a culture or a combination of both you've got to be, be able to make sure you can sell that and do change management well and that includes communications mm. and i think if you're going to separate marketing and hr i think you're doing yourself a disservice as an organization right and I think what's interesting uh, from what you seem to be saying there, Maria, is how, you know, we can we can use some of those kind of concepts and, and ideas and sort of basically look at HR and, and really just ask the question, how can we redesign, you know, what we do, mm. which is going to be something that perhaps takes us, moves us on from, you know, the kind of industrial thinking that still dominates a lot of what we might do in HR and 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 kind of, you know, uh, makes us a little bit more innovative and experimental and so on. Yeah, and it's also putting, you know, people first. If I look at the current trend in who are becoming our um, C-suite executives, um, you know, we are looking at marketers and HR professionals sort of sitting at the top because, if you don't get your people right, your organisation's not going to be right. Right, right. And one final question. If uh, if you were to give two or three little pieces of advice to, um, you know, young uh, career HR um, people now, what, what would you say to them? Uh, whoa, that's a good question. <laughs> what would I say? Um, don't be afraid to speak up, rightly or wrongly. Uh, you have a lot of information and knowledge and experience to give. So don't be afraid to speak up. And, you know, that comes to knowing who you are and what you stand for. Um, don't be afraid to change um, and, be, you know, become flexible in your thinking. Don't be afraid to learn. You know, I think I've come across quite a few HR professionals who are very much stuck in their thinking and really are sort of develop that bit of inertia in terms of that I want to change and this is what it is and this is how I've always done it, so I'm going to do it. You know, we have to navigate the ongoing, evolving changes that, you know, the world is throwing at us. So being innovative and, and being agile and I guess that term sometimes gets overused but it's really important um, and just don't stop learning. Right, right. Great. 
Uh, I'm sure you've never been one who's had a problem speaking up, Maria. So that's <laughs> that's great advice. Look, uh, okay, time's up. That's been fantastic. Thank you very much for your time today. Uh, thanks for being the, the the first person on our on our new podcasts. And I'm going to uh, start uh, sorting it out so that we can get it out there as soon as possible. So uh, once again, thanks very much, uh, Maria, and uh, I'm sure we'll catch up soon. Right. Thank you, Steve. Okay. Thank